Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us on our monthly podcast here on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal calling in from Charlevoix, Michigan, where I work as a paralegal at Running Wise and Ford. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor, and I publish a weekly e-zine titled Paralegal Strategies. More information is available at paralegalmentor.com. And my co-host with me today is Lynn Devenning. Thanks, Vicki. I'm calling from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I work as a senior paralegal for Elliott Pishko Morgan, a small plaintiff's litigation firm. I also blog for the paralegal profession at practicalparalegalism.com. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and to share with you our thoughts about leading trends significant developments, and resources that we think you'll find helpful in your careers and your everyday jobs. We'll also have guests on the program to help us explore timely topics. And of course, we have sponsors. Today, we welcome our sponsor, Terrace. That's T-E-R-I-S. Terrace offers a full suite of litigation support services. Today's program focuses on the paralegal's role in jury selection. Our guest is Dr. David Ball, one of America's most influential trial consultants and also the author of best-selling books, David Ball on Damages, Theater Tips and Strategies for Jury Trials, and also Reptile, the 2009 Manual of the Plaintiff's Revolution. He has advised more than 1,000 civil and criminal cases and teaches CLEs and at law schools across the country. Welcome, Dr. Ball. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I understand we're going to call you David, so I, I appreciate I like that. It. Okay, okay. I'm really curious that with a background in engineering and experience as a professional theater director and writer, how did you start your career as a jury consultant? Uh, my parents forced me to. No, oh. that's not really the answer. <laughs> um, I had stopped doing theater. I, I somehow drifted from engineering to theater, and you don't want to hear that long story, but I... I, I Drifted from theater uh, to writing a the great American novel off in the woods, and realized that I'd been in theater because I liked the company. I mean, all those people. It was your social life, your family life, your religious. It was everything. And there I am off in the woods all by myself. So I would write all all night long, and then I would go to the courthouse just to be around some people. I mean, you got to be careful where you hang around just to be around people. You know, you can't do that in supermarkets or schoolyards or people get suspicious. So I headed directly to the courthouse because I was vaguely interested in trials. And the more I watched, the more I realized that uh, the similarity between trials and what I did and what I had done in theater uh, was very, very close. And so I did some research and, and, and learned very quickly that the source of both trials and theater are exactly the same place same people put them together, and originally they were more or less the same activity, and they divided over the years. So a whole lot of what I knew about the theater was very useful in 
trials, and I mentioned that to a lawyer friend of mine, and he said, hey, that's good, write an article. We always hear that theaters and trials are alike, but we've never heard that from somebody who spent a life as a theater professional, so uh, uh, why don't you write an article about it? So I did, and then somebody called and said, hey, can you come help on a case? And I said, no, I had no idea how, and they said, yes, you do, and uh, that's how it started, and that was about 20 years ago. So that is the short version of the of the uh, transition. I still do a little bit of theater, but 99.9% of my work is uh, with trials now. That's an amazing story, David. I'm married to a former theater professional who went into uh, communications mainly to get a regular paycheck. Yeah, I, I, I have been very lucky in the theater. That, that you know, I had one of those very rare careers where money was never a problem. Uh, so that wasn't really why I switched. I, I just got tired of it. I'm the only person I ever know, ever ever knew who got tired of theater. I still say the word rehearsal to me, and I yawn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in regard to your current services, um, what do you do for attorneys, and how can they get in touch with you? Well, the in touch part. Let me talk about that first. Um, if anybody is interested in our services, they need to know that in. When it comes to injury cases, personal injury or wrongful death cases, we work only for the uh, plaintiffs. I don't do any insurance company work, uh, any work for for the defense. In other kinds of cases, commercial litigation or anything like that, we we work either side of the aisle. And in criminal cases, we only do the defense. That said, if anybody's interested in what we do and looking for our services, we are. Uh, you can reach us reach our coordinator, who really is the intake person, a paralegal, incidentally, named Roseanne Reynolds. She's at 919-961-8177, 919-961-8177, and that's how to get started with us. Exactly. Uh, what sort of things do you guys do for attorneys? Well, pretty much the whole range. We're sort of the firm. There, there's three of us. I have two partners, Deborah Miller and Artemis Malikpour and myself. And we do an enormous amount of research into how juries make decisions. The direct outshoot of that was the book you mentioned earlier called A Reptile, uh, kind of an odd name, but if you read the book, you understand why. And so we pretty much do anything with attorneys uh, that helps anywhere in the process of litigation from <laughs> should I take this case right up to how should I file this appeal. Our primary work has to do with jury selections, running focus groups and other kinds of case-specific jury research, uh, and helping to strategize a case so that jurors will see it in the best possible light for the people we're working for. So that covers practically anything. We help people with openings. We help them not just with thinking about sequence of witnesses, but also what are you going to ask each witness? How do you do the cross? And we do some work with basic just trials advocacy skills, uh, speaking clearly, talking in a way that uh, um, allows people to see that you are credible, uh, not sort of like I did a lot, of, a lot of the work I did with acting, how to just be open and honest and and forthright with the people you're talking to. So it, it's a whole it's a whole range of stuff. We do some witness preparation work, uh, and the main part of my work over the past year, past four years actually, uh, has been ratcheting way up the amount of time I've been spent in in very intensive research into how people make important decisions. And that's kind of uh, 
pretty close to revolutionize the way lawyers are now doing cases. Um, it's been really kind of gratifying because it's, it's pretty much changed the playing field out there. Well, with that changed playing field, David, uh, how do you recommend that attorneys use their trial team, especially how do they use their paralegals on that trial team? Well, as you might know, I don't know, but for many years I have been, oh, how do I put this kindly, absolutely fed up with the fact that the vast majority of attorneys have no idea what a resource they have in their paralegal or their legal assistant. Uh, they, they take the word assistant a little too, too literally, and they don't really maximize what's there. And so one of my campaigns has always been when speaking with attorneys to make them see that, that there's an enormous resource there. But my other campaign has been the more that paralegals and assistants know about what they can do, uh, the more they can start edging that into their work and get to do that stuff. Uh, I mean, just for one quick example, in many offices due to the structures of how things work, the paralegal is very often the one who knows the client best and not the attorney. Now, I, I think that's kind of an abdication of what the attorney ought to be doing, uh, at least in an injury case, uh, maybe not in other kinds of cases. But nonetheless, it's very often the paralegal who's got the strongest personal relationship. Well, that can translate into a lot of very useful things. It's the paralegal who can be great help in what that client should wear when they come to trial. It's the paralegal who can probably be a lot more help in preparing that witness, not just for testimony, but just for the experience of being in trial all that time. Uh, because that closeness that's happened just over the course of work can translate into a much better relationship for uh, helping a person, helping a client do better at, at, at being who they need to be in trial. Uh, more specifically, there are a ton of things that paralegals can learn about how to really offer some practical help during jury selection. Uh, a paralegal can become an awfully good sounding board uh, for, for openings, for closings, for strategies. It, it really depends on the abilities of the paralegal. I mean, some are really brilliant organizers and clerical people, and that's really what they're good at. And when they try to stray outside that, they, they're not very good at it. But the vast majority, just by being near this kind of work over the years, develop a sensitivity to, look, the attorney standing there uh, questioning a witness He's not exactly staring at the jury to see how they're responding. The paralegal's got the experience of sitting in court, nothing else to do at that particular period of time because there's an exam going on. Um, and over the years, you, 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 you see what parts of an exam are helping with the jury, what are not, what they're not listening to, when they're asleep, when they wish they were dead and that the attorney would shut up and sit down. And that can become very useful if you're working for an attorney who's secure enough to take advice from someone who isn't his own boss. Uh, a lot of attorneys just would have great trouble taking a note from, quote, an underling. But the good ones uh, know better than that or can be led there. 
David, I'm very fortunate to work with an attorney who will often, um, before he completes his exam, uh, take a minute and lean over and ask if I can think of any other questions uh, to be asked. And I, I thought when you were talking about, you know, watching the jury, I said that's a fine art in itself, is uh, staring at the jury without actually appearing to stare at them. <laughs> well, you don't stare at them any more than you, let's say you're having dinner in your home with, you know, right. maybe half a dozen people. You, 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 you look at everybody, but you're not staring at anyone, and it's the same sort of thing. But there, there are all sorts of things you can do. For example, here's a little thing that not many attorneys know. And you may want to warn your attorney about not falling into the trap that we're about to place the opposition attorney into. Over the course of trial, when something bad happens from a particular attorney's point of view, somebody says something bad or something, you know, he writes a note or she writes a note, generally underlines it and draws a big circle around it to make sure they remember this bad thing that just happened so they can deal with it. Well, first, tell your attorney never to do that. Tell your attorney to wait 30 seconds and then very calmly make the note. First of all, if it's a bad thing, he's not going to forget the note anyway. Second of all, the jurors notice when people do that. And when your attorney does it, it tells them, tells the jurors, whoops, something's wrong. I don't know what it was, but he just didn't like something. So that's one kind of warning to give the attorney you work for. But where you can become a real service is very casually keep an eye on the attorneys on the other side. And when they make those notes, you make a note of what they made the note in response to. In other words, what is it that they think they'd better deal with? And then at the first opportunity update your attorney to what those things were. You can get a very good insight. For example, during an opening, um, you'll get very good insight into things that uh, the other side never thought of or the other side needs to be concerned about. Why? Because they are listening to an opening and writing it down. Same thing in testimony, even the same thing in closing. And Dr. this can Ball, provide a lot of very good information. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. Sure. We're going to take a quick break, so I, sure, I, no want to, I want to do that part, and then we're going to come back and let you continue your, your discussion. So. Terrace is a full-service litigation support solution provider that works with law firms and Fortune 500 companies to provide consultation-based solutions, state-of-the-art technologies, and experienced project management. Terrace understands the unique demands and processes required during litigation. Our clients spend less time and money through all phases of case management. Discover how our streamlined suite of litigation support services can help you save time, increase accuracy, and drive savings. For more information, call 877-99-TERRACE or visit terrace.com. That's T-E-R-I-S. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code PV for a 25% discount. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. 
and Nala's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. Nala works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why Nala means professional at www.nala.org. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and with me is my co-host, Lynn Devenning. One quick program note. We'd like to suggest that you subscribe to the Paralegal Voice. The price is right, free. You can do that by either going to Legal Talk Network at legaltalknetwork.com or subscribe to the program in the podcast directory of iTunes. That way you'll get each new edition automatically without having to search for it. Our guest today is Dr. David Ball, and we're discussing tips for jury selection. Dr. Ball, the the next question that we have for you is just how can paralegals help their supervising attorneys with with jury selection and also during voir dire? Well, I think the most important thing that that attorneys do wrong when they're doing jury selection, when they're questioning the jurors, is that they're taking notes and they're trying to do a bunch of things at once. The attorney's only real job is to get those people talking. So first, you need to learn to do two things simultaneously. One is to take really good notes for the attorney, so good that the attorney will not feel the necessity to take his own notes. When an attorney takes his his or her own notes during jury selection, it really diminishes the amount that jurors are willing to talk. People are uncomfortable talking when you write down what they say. So if the attorney is just up there engaging these people in conversation and you know the case, you know what's being looked for, you know what to write down, you know all that stuff, you can take notes. Secondly, at the same time, you are the attorney's other eyes. When the attorney is talking to juror number three, you can often, and, and getting answers, you can often learn a great deal from how the other jurors look as they are listening to a juror's answers. So you can see somebody, a juror number seven, agreeing with juror number three. And sometimes juror number seven will agree with juror number three, visibly, even though juror number seven did not admit to that when juror number seven was being questioned. So keep an eye on the rest of the jury. Get some jury selection books so you'll learn, you know, the sorts of things you're you're looking for. Uh, There's a very good one called Blue's Guide to Jury Selection, blue like the color blue, published by West Publishing. It'll help you an enormous amount. The other thing that you can be a real help with is this. Early in most jury selections, when the jurors are just talking about who they are, what they do for a living, stuff that they're relatively comfortable talking about because they're not trying to deceive anybody or not trying to you know, play any games with you, pay great attention to their demeanor. What are they like when they're telling the truth? What are they like when they're just talking about something that they're comfortable with? I'm talking about tone of voice, and I hate to use the term body language, but are they talking straight to the lawyer? Are they turned away looking over their shoulder? What do they look like? What do they feel like? What's their, what's their human tone? And does that change when they come to a more delicate topic later? For example, a juror has an easy time saying, yes, I'm a plumber, and I work in Fall River, and that's what I do. And then he's asked how he feels about money for pain, and he might say the same words in two different ways. I'm okay with that, or... I'm okay with that. 
Now, if you have the baseline from how he was speaking when he was comfortable and how his body looked, he might have been, you know, sitting facing the attorney directly. Now he turns away a little bit when he's asked that trickier question, trying to cover up the fact that he's not really comfortable with money for pain. Uh, you can be a great, great help there. Frankly, a lot of attorneys are not very good at, 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 at gauging things like that. And even if they are, the second opinion helps that a great deal. Again, the more you read about jury selection, the more help you're going to be. Uh, and Blue's Guide is a very good place to put it. Any of my books, which you can find online, uh, are, are useful for that. If, the, if you go to the uh, jury selection section, there, there are a number of other good books like that. But that is an area where you can be a real help, because in jury selection, unless you're talking to the jurors one at a time, which is rare, um, there's more there than the attorney can do on his or her own. And also, the mere fact that an attorney is an attorney means he's less good or she's less good at choosing jurors to deselect than a non-attorney. Uh, that's simply a basic statistical fact. You are going to, in most cases, the, the, the paralegal or the legal assistant is going to be better at it uh, simply because you have more of a real life than that trial attorney does. David, I want to ask you while we're talking about how the uh, paralegal can assist during the actual trial, what courtroom tools do you recommend that paralegals use to keep up with the jury pool? Other you know, than it, it, pad depends and on someone, it depends on someone's presence. I, I've always been nervous about using computers because I'm always afraid, what if the damn thing crashes and I lose all my stuff, that I've, all my notes I've taken? Some people are, you know, they know how to back up to five different places, but I'm always nervous about that. I have found online a huge clipboard, uh, which is large enough for me to put a, a uh, two-by-three yellow sticky note for each juror's seat. And then as that juror is dismissed, another one comes in, I just replace all those sticky notes. And as I need more space on any one of them, I just put another sticky note on top of it. That's my favorite, and I think the most practical. Uh, but that, that really is a very personal thing. As I say, I'm very nervous about technology in the courtroom because, as everyone knows, it fails with alarming frequency the minute you walk into the courthouse, even though it never failed in your office. So I prefer the big, uh, um, it's not that big, it's maybe two and a half times the size of a normal clipboard, uh, a little bigger than that. And it gives you room to use sticky notes for, for every juror. And that way you have a permanent record of all of the jurors' notes, even of the ones who've been dismissed, because you just pull them off in a bunch and put them someplace else. And then if any questions ever come up, you know, such as a Batson challenge or anything like that, uh, you, you've got those notes. The other place you can be really useful, by the way, is, is learn the law so you know when a juror says something that is legally significant, such as um, uh, if you learn about Batson challenges, there's a lot of legal notes you can make of the exact words a juror says because they may be very helpful, and that way you don't need to stop the entire proceedings to hear the recorder read back what was, what was said. The paralegal can be the most useful thing during a trial that lawyers ignore. And uh, perhaps you could use this particular broadcast as a way to start a little movement to make lawyers comfortably see that they're ignoring their best resource, which is I you. like it. I do, too. I do, too. Thank you so much. Sure. Thanks to Thanks to Dr. David Ball for joining us today. We thank appreciate it, Dr. Ball. I know you're busy, and thank you for joining our podcast. This is an important one. It's an important group. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks to Dr. David Ball for joining us today to talk about uh, using paralegals in the jury selection process. 
If you have questions, please email them to theparalegalvoice at gmail.com. Vicki and I will be posting a joint article, How Paralegals Can Assist with Jury Selection, at our respective blogs. We'll be sure to include helpful links to more information about this topic. We're going to take another short break and come back with some paralegal news and announcements. Be right back. The George Washington University's master's degree in paralegal studies, offered both online and on campus in Washington, D.C., provides you with the opportunity to earn the most prestigious paralegal credential available. You will gain the skills, knowledge, and abilities you need to act with confidence. Visit paralegal.onlinegwu.com forward slash legal talk or call 1-866-232-0232, extension 3421, to learn more about this unique program. Monitor live depositions from anywhere with West Live Note Real Time. Observe every hesitation, every sidelong glance, and every drop of sweat from the deponent. You and other team members can privately instant message with the deposing attorney. You can act as second chair and annotate your live transcript. Look up facts and definitions, find conflicting testimony, and even offer suggestions for the line of questioning. All live. For more information about West Live Note, call 1 800 762 5272 or visit livenote.com. A video settlement documentary is a powerful tool. It can turn your plaintiff's case into money at the settlement table. Call the professionals at Skyways Communications at 781-551-9960 to find out more. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. At this point in time, Lynn and I always offer uh, practice tips and social media tips. So my practice tip for the day is for paralegals to be sure to use the American Bar Association as a resource. It's not just a a resource for attorneys, but there are some great uh, programs there for paralegals. There is the Standing Committee on Paralegals, the Guidelines for the Utilization of Paralegals, as well as some resources for job searching, for stress management, and other things that would really be of interest. So it really is not just for attorneys, so I suggest that all paralegals check out the ABA's website. That's abanet.org. Vicki, that's a great tip. I often go there first when I'm starting research on a topic. In addition to using the uh, ABA website, I also recommend that paralegals keep up with professional blogs. A lot of paralegals tell me that seems overwhelming, and I recommend that they use a simple and free RSS reader. That stands for Really Simple Syndication. A good place to start if you just want to try one out is a Google reader. It's easy, uh, and it's a great way to keep up with news and and get it in a feed form quickly. Um, I'm also looking at some other readers right now, but Google Reader is a great place to start. That's about all the time we have today for The Paralegal Voice. Don't forget to check out the show notes on our respective blogs, theparalegalmentor.com and practicalparalegalism.com. This is Vicki Voison. And this is Lynn DeVenny. Thanking you all for joining us today and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. 
Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.